Hello, you're listening to From the Bibliophiles, a science podcast discussing how storytelling succeeds in communicating difficult science concepts. I'm your host and interviewer, Kenna Castleberry. If you're a new listener, you can find our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other places. Be sure to give us a five-star review if you like our show, and if you enjoyed today's episode, like it and share it with your friends. The episode for today features popular science writer, Canadian physicist, mathematician, and researcher Chris Ferry. Chris is the best-selling writer of Astrophysics for Babies, a book in the Baby University book series, all authored by Chris. Currently, Chris lives in Australia with his family. If you want to learn more about Chris's work, you can go to his website, www.csferry.com. Ferry is spelled F-E-R-R-I-E. Now for the interview. So my first question, clearly like you have developed this specific genre of um, scientific children's books. And I'm curious, like what inspired you to do that? Or like what, like how did you realize that it would become its own genre, I guess? So I had kids, I still have kids of my own, um, but they were, they were much younger, you know, in the, um, in the age range of the books. And I wanted to write, I wanted them to have something that was a little bit closer to the kind of research that, that I did, which is kind of physics and, and, and maybe science more generally, because a lot of the baby books that I would read to them don't really have, you know, scientific concepts in them. They're mostly about, uh, you know, talking animals and, and, and stories, and, which is fine, but I wanted to have a little bit more variety. And I thought about what I might write about, and I decided, well, I'll just try to write about what my area of expertise is, and that's quantum physics. And, you know, I knew at the, at, on, on one hand that would, that seems a bit weird for, for a baby book, but on the other hand, um, you know, it certainly it would get, you know, people's attention. So I, I started with quantum physics, and the really the reason that it kind of sprang into a, a whole genre was because of the kind of positive feedback uh, from the first book, Quantum Physics for Babies. So I I didn't know if it if, if it would work and if people would be interested in it, but uh, I just kind of tried it, and at least I had a book that I could read to my own children about my kind of passion. So um, yeah, it was. It, there wasn't really a plan to create an entire new genre. And I think that's how, how most most things start. Uh, you know, there there really isn't isn't a plan for these things. You know, you just have a cool idea and you try it, and then, you know, the ones that take off sometimes they they uh, they get big. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. So I'm curious. You know, your book Goodnight Lab is clearly a parody of Goodnight Moon by Margaret Wise Brown, and I'm just curious, like. Why did you decide to do a parody, and and how did you pick the laboratory setting for that? Like, what was the thought process going into that book? Yeah, so that that's a that's a good question. I think the my the reason that I do parodies is I think for the the familiarity of it, and even I would even say like 
like the baby books, say astrophysics for babies or quantum physics for babies, are parodies in the sense that they fit this mold of a, a board book with um, you know high contrast images and and short sentences. So I, I would say that they're all kind of a parody in that sense. And the re the reason that I, I do that again is because of familiarity. So I don't think parents are going to pick up a book that says, um, you know, here's what a scientific lab looks like, but they they might recognize Goodnight Moon and then pick up Goodnight Lab and then they're going to get some, you know, some sort of scientific content and hopefully get interested in, in, or excited or amused about something that I would prefer them to get excited about, which is, which is science, um, rather than... Um, Rather than maybe a story that really, I mean, I guess, yeah, I'm not really sure what lesson one was supposed to get from Good Night Moon, but you know, I, I, I just wanted to have some some variety, and I wanted to make sure that that people would would pick it up, and and that was kind of the the thought process behind making a parody. Sure, absolutely, and I love Good Night Lab in the sense that it's very accurate to a typical lab setting as opposed to, like, what's been portrayed in the media um, or, like, movies or whatever. And I was curious if that was a purposeful decision that maybe you walked through your own lab and thought, well, what are the key points that, you know, I want to take away? Or was it more just sitting down and planning out each page? Yeah, I think the, one of the things that the, the parody element helps with is it kind of gives you some constraints, uh, when you sit down and you think, oh, I'm going to write a story, well, you can get stuck on the first word and never know, and never get started. Whereas, you know, with something like Goodnight Lab, I knew the first, the whole first page, what it had to be. It, you know, the original started with In the Great Green Room, so this one had to start in the Great Green Lab. So a lot of, when you take this parody perspective, it provides you with some constraints, and that, that, and in some sense sounds like it would be more difficult but in reality it makes the things much more easy the the reason that I think it a lot of Goodnight Lab and a lot of the books have this kind of ac feeling of accuracy uh, is I guess like you said it's just because that you know I'm coming from from science like a, you know as a scientist not as somebody who's who's only experienced with science is, is with from Hollywood or or the media so you know I can I can give you an accurate picture of science but I wouldn't be able to give you a picture of, of science that would be familiar if if all if your only understanding of science came from from the media be, just because that you know that's not something I'm I'm all that familiar with or I don't really pay attention to it even when I see it in the media you know, when I see you know a scientist in the in, in you know, in a science fiction movie, you know, I'm not thinking, oh, that's what science must be like, because I already know, I already know what, what science is like. Right, absolutely. Did you ever, like, I guess from a science communication standpoint, how difficult was it to communicate things like astrophysics or quantum physics in such short sentences in a children's book? I, I'm curious, like, what was your thought process behind that, or how, how difficult was it for you to kind of narrow things down so much? Yeah, I think um, each book is different. Like they're not all, they weren't all equally difficult, and a lot of them had many sort of iterations. 
what I think in the in the end, if there's a a, a nice flowing story that you know that, that I, I can imagine a typical parent could read without like be, being confused themselves or or tripping up on like jargon or words, then then the ta- you know the goal has been achieved, right? The kind of because the goal really isn't isn't something enormous and grand with these books. It, it's just to get people comfortable with the idea that that science doesn't necessarily have to be difficult or hard or reserved for you know uber intelligent people or nerds. It it really can be appreciated by by anybody. So it wasn't that uh, I, I I didn't come at it from the point of view of there's something specific I. I want people to learn, and if they took a test afterwards, then they would they would, you know, ace the test. It it was just let's get people comfortable. Let try to imagine a parent and a child reading this, and you know, if they don't if they don't just throw it away, then in some sense we're we're doing better than most scientific communication. Sure, absolutely. Um, my only last question for you, and feel free to not answer it if you don't want to. Um, it's just, are you currently working on your next book, and, and what is that going to look like? Yeah, I'm con- um, constantly working on, on books, um, adding things to the series and thinking about, uh, about new, new ideas. I think working, working with a publisher and trying to figure out what, what expertise, or what, um, you know, what additional things skills and um, and 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 abilities that that they can bring to the table that, that I can't do myself right so you know I, I can write stories and I have some you know scientific background and knowledge but you know I don't I'm not a, a book publisher I'm not a you know I'm, I, I don't physically make books and so there are lots of new things that we can add to it novelty elements things like that that I want to explore and you know now that I'm working with with a publisher rather than on my own. I'd like to kind of explore those things. So there's, I think there's a lot of new ideas that that we're trying to to come up with and and get out there and and help again help help parents and kids feel comfortable and excited about science. Yeah. So I, I guess the answer is yeah, there's there's lots there's lots of things that we're we're working on. Um, we'll continue to add books to the kind of baby university series. So there'll be the, I think the next one that will be released is climate change for babies. Ooh, that sounds so, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I'm the other. Yeah, the other interesting aspect is that the initially uh, again I was working by myself, and so that kind of restricted me to my own area of expertise, which was physics and mathematics. And and now I'm working with with lots of other scientists and. Uh, and, and that means that we can extend the series beyond just my own area of expertise. <laughs>